Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. Check that out. Luke chapter 4 verses 16 to 21, reading from the Old King James Version of the Bible. Some of you old timers are saying, right, about time. Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21, it says this. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. The title of my message this morning is called, Get Over It. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just thank you and, and I pray that you can help us to be the overcomers you've called us to be. Thank you and praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a very important passage of scripture because this is actually a very well-known passage of scripture because this is where Jesus announces for the very first time publicly who he is. Before this time, he had been raised in relative anonymity for 30 years as a carpenter's son. And then he was led by. The, then he went to get baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John the Baptist. Bible says he went under the water. When he came up, the Bible says heaven was open. The Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove, and there was a voice from heaven. And the voice was heaven from heaven was his heavenly Father, and the voice said, "Here is my Son, in whom I am well pleased." Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and there he was. He fasted forty days and forty nights. At the end of that time, the devil came to him to tempt him, and Jesus refuted the temptations of the devil. And then he came back in the power of the Spirit into the city just about to start his public ministry. First thing he does is he goes to the synagogue. He walks in and he grabs the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which we have in our Old Testament Bible, the book of Isaiah. He gets it and he starts to read from it and he opens to a well-known messianic prophecy. This passage of scripture was well-known to the Jews. It was a prophecy about, prophecy about the Messiah that they were waiting for. And so he reads out that prophecy and then at the end of it, he says, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He is saying, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. He's saying, I am the Messiah that you are all waiting for. What he read out was essentially the job description of the Messiah. He read out what the Bible says the Messiah was going to do. And if you study the life of Jesus, you will see that he did everything that passage of Scripture said the Messiah was going to do. And that is good news. But I've got even better news for you today. And that is that Jesus Christ is still alive. And he is still doing everything this passage of Scripture said the Messiah was going to do. So let's have a look at it again and see what it says he's going to do. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, send me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Have you ever been bruised? I'm sure all of us have at some point. I don't think you can go through life without getting some kind of bruise. You know, a bruise is essentially when you have a collision or you bump into something outside of yourself, external to you, and it causes you internal bleeding and pain. That's what a bruise is. I used to get a lot of bruises when I used to play footy. 
especially early on in the season when I wasn't properly in match condition, I used to get very often what was called a corky. I remember one time I was playing, I used to play for Mitcham Football Club a hundred years ago, and I remember we were playing Donvale, and I got, and, and it was the first game of the year, and at the end of that game, I received three corkies, and basically I'd collided with a few guys, and their knees had come in, and they'd hit me in the thigh, and it caused internal bleeding and pain. A bruise is essentially is when something outside of you impacts upon you and causes you internal bleeding and pain. The Bible says Jesus has come to say, at liberty them that are bruised he has come to heal us of all the hurts inflicted upon us he has come to heal us of all the hurts inflicted upon us by other people Jesus Christ has come to set at liberty them that are bruised the thing I learned when I used to get a corky was that basically if you didn't treat the corky it could be bad news you had to treat it because if you left it untreated what can happen is it can become what's known as calcified which means it's forever touchy in the same area which means that it, you don't need anywhere near as much of an impact to cause you the same amount of pain just recently I met a guy he used to be a professional AFL player and he had to retire early because he had a number of corkies when he was playing football and they weren't treated properly and they became calcified so in the future it only took a much smaller impact to cause the same amount of pain and he was touchy in that area I've met a lot of Christians like that who are forever touchy because of something someone else did to them. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you said, and you've talked and their reaction's been to you like, wow. And you thought to yourself, what did I do? And it's like, we actually didn't do anything. But what has happened is someone else has hurt them. They've never dealt with it. They've never treated it. And now they're forever touchy in the same area. Now, the thing is this, I can understand that's a part of life and that is natural. But I've got good news for you today, friend. Jesus Christ has come to set at liberty them that are bruised. He can heal you of every single thing that has been done to you. You do not have to continually suffer the consequences of the things that you've been through. Jesus Christ has come to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so I want to talk to you today about a few things you should do if you've ever been bruised. A few things you should do if you've ever been hurt or wounded by something or someone. Uh, another, way of, uh, uh, another way of putting it is uh, a, few ways, a few things you should do if you've ever been offended. Because basically that's what offence is. Someone does something, it impacts upon us and it hurts us and it causes us to be offended. I want to talk to you about a few things we should do uh, if you've ever been bruised. The first thing is this. Number one, if you've ever been wounded or hurt or bruised, number one is you've got to expect them expect them. Uh, Jesus says this in Luke 17 verse 1, it's impossible that no offences should come. What does that mean? It's impossible to frame your world in such a way that the potential for offence won't come through. It's impossible. You can't live your life like that. I've seen people try. And so this person has offended me, all right, I'm cutting them off. And these people, have, these people offend me, I'm cutting them off. And this group has offended me and I'm leaving them. And all of a sudden we cut people off and community off from our world and we become isolated. And then even then offences can still get through. Why is that? Because it's impossible. Uh, last year I was preaching at a camp on the Gold Coast hinterland and I had to leave at the end of the uh, last night meeting. And so I was driving home, it was about 11 o'clock at night and it's a country road, there's no street lights. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I just couldn't be bothered getting all these bugs and uh, that on my windscreen and in the grill of my car. So I thought to myself, I'm going to try and avoid them. So I'm driving down the road and I'm swerving trying to avoid the bugs. I get home, 
my, my windscreen and grill is still completely covered with bugs. Why? Because it's unavoidable. It's impossible. Having them come your way, you can't stop it. There's always that potential for that to happen. Offences can come your way when you least expect it. Um, I'm uh, half Tongan, uh, half Australian, and uh, I'm married. I'm been married 15 years this year to my uh, lovely wife Trish, uh, and she's an Aussie girl from uh, Cairns in North Queensland. And uh, I remember when we got married, I always wondered what our kids would look like, you know, because when you get a gene pool like that, uh, you're never sure what you're going to get. And uh, and so and I call my family a Neapolitan family, and the reason being is because everyone's a different colour. And uh, I remember my first son was born. And when he was born, he came out pretty well look, looking what I thought he would look like. He came out with caramel skin, fine features. Uh, we named him Amos. And I thought, well, that's what I thought we'd produce. A uh, couple of years later, my wife uh, had a second son. And when he was born, I couldn't believe it. He was a total throwback to the Tongan side. So he came out with chocolate skin, big buffer head, flat nose. Uh, and uh, he came out with a more Tongan personality. Uh, we had to stop him playing soccer for a year because he kept starting punch-ups with the other kids. Uh, and he was six years of age at the time, uh, and we named him Joshua. And then a few years after that, we found out my wife was pregnant with a third son, and, and so as I do, I always actually pray about the name I want to call them, and, and I really felt uh, that for the third son, I wanted to uphold the Tongan tradition. It's a Tongan tradition that you would name uh, one of your children after your father, uh, and my dad's a Tongan man. Uh, his name is Ifalemi, which is the Tongan version of the tribe Ephraim, uh, which means prosperous one, so I'm trusting he's going to be the really rich one and uh, I remember thinking you know he'll come out caramel chocolate something like that well when he was born I couldn't believe my eyes he was a total throwback to the Aussie side so he came out with white skin and blonde hair <laughs> and my dad said to me he goes what you call him Ifalemi for he said you should have called the Tongan looking one Ifalemi <laughs> and I said well I just want people to know he's with me and uh, you know it's funny when you tell people his name you tell a Polynesian his name a Maori Samoan something like that and they say, what's his name? And you say, his name's Ifalemi. And they look at you and they go, oh, and it's so beautiful. You know, you tell an Aussie, and Aussie goes, what's his name? And you say, his name's Ifalemi. And Aussie looks at you and goes, how do you pronounce that? I remember one time my wife was dropping the boys off at school and uh, took the newborn baby with her. One of the other mothers came up, looked at the baby and said, oh, he's gorgeous. What's his name? My wife said, his name's Ifalemi. The lady looked at her and goes, oh, don't we do some silly things as parents? <laughs> Offences will come. You can't avoid it. Having them come is unavoidable. Taking them is optional. Just because they come is not unusual, but that does not mean that you have to take them. That's why I don't always think it's a valid reason to leave church over a fence. As if to think you'll go to another one and won't get offended there. It's not possible. Wherever there's a group of people, the potential for offence is there. I've lived in a number of different cities over the years, been part of a number of different churches. And I'll be honest with you, I've been offended in every one I've been in. I've been offended in the one I'm in right now. I remember one time I'd, I used to be a youth pastor in North Queensland in Mackay and then 10 years ago I moved from Mackay to Brisbane uh, and uh, started a Bible college in Brisbane called Planet Shakers Bible College and uh, I was preaching at uh, my, my home church in Brisbane and I remember one night I was preaching and there was a lady who was visiting from Mackay 
and, uh, and she came and spoke to us afterwards and, and we had a good chat and then that week she sent me an email because she wanted to purchase some of my books and stuff like that and, and, as I, and in the email she was very nice, she said, oh Ben it was so good to catch up with you the other day. She said it was so good to see Trish. It was so good to see the boys. They've grown so much. And she said it was so good to hear you preach again. She said, I really missed your preaching. She said, I really especially missed your sense of humour. Then she wrote, it's just a shame that the people in your church don't appreciate your sense of humour. She said, because where I was, from where I was sitting, you were telling jokes that I thought was funny and I was laughing my head off. And she said, but no one else around me was laughing. So I just thought maybe it's because you've been ministering in the country and your humour is more suited to the country. That maybe your humour is more suited to regional areas. (laughs) Well, when I read that, I was offended. Not at her, at my church. I felt like getting up there the next Sunday and saying, Oh, uh, so uh, you can't handle this gift of humour that God has blessed you with. Well, I'm just going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to shake the dust from my feet. I'm going to go somewhere else, probably the country. <laughs> well, they will truly honour, respect and appreciate the gift of God that God has blessed you with. And then I thought about it and I thought, ah, oh, I'll just get over it. Offences will come doesn't mean you have to take them second thing you need to do if you've ever been bruised is we need to examine ourselves examine ourselves jesus says in matthew chapter 7 verse 3 he says why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye you know what if someone ever does something or says something that stings me now you know what i mean something happens and it gets past your defenses and it stings my natural response is to think You've done something wrong. Because I wouldn't feel this way unless you did something wrong. So you are the person with the problem here. Because I wouldn't feel this way unless you did something wrong. But what I've learned over the years is this, that that's not always the case. There are times where I've been stung or offended or taken offence, not because anyone has done something wrong, but because of my own insecurity and because of my own failings. I remember uh, one time when I was at Bible college many years ago and um, I was asked to lead worship that night. Uh, we were going to have a special meeting. There was an international guest speaker. There was going to be a lot of people. It was going to be a bit of, pretty, bit of a big deal. And I was asked to lead worship, so I was very excited. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to uh, get a new shirt for the occasion. Uh, so this was back in the mid-90s. Uh, I went to the shop and I bought myself a bright uh, electric blue shirt. Uh, it just looked beautiful. And uh, I was buying and I was buying it to wear with my bright gold tie. You know, it was just going to be amazing. And, uh, and so, you know, I bought it in the packet. And you know when you buy a shirt in the packet, it's very creased. So it was not long till I had to go to worship practice. So I just took it out of the packet, went downstairs to the college dorm and used the college iron to try and iron out the creases. Uh, now, the problem with the college iron, uh, it was it would struggle to get very hot. Uh, and so I'm trying to iron out these creases. And, and I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever deceived yourself in a th- ironing when you've de- ironed something 
deceived yourself into thinking that you've ironed it, only to realise later when you've put it on that it's not actually ironed at all. Uh, now, that's exactly what happened. So I just put the shirt on, put on the tie, went to worship practice, led worship that night. And, you know, to be, to be honest, in all humility, I was amazing. So led worship that night and feeling pretty good about myself. And then at the end of the meeting, uh, one of the guys came up to me. He was another worship leader in the college. He came up to me and, you know, I thought he was going to tell me, you know, how awesome I did. And uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, Ben, is that a new shirt? I said, yeah, how can you tell? He says, we can all tell. He says, it looks like you haven't ironed it. It's still got all the creases in it. Well, when he said that, I was offended. I went home and thought about it. I thought, how dare you say that to me? I remember thinking, man, we're going to have to have a coffee. We're going to have to resolve this issue. Someone's got to talk to this guy and stop him. He can't just go around hurting people's feelings like this. And then I thought about it a little bit longer and I thought, oh, I'll just get over it. I realised on reflection he actually hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't publicly shamed me. He hadn't publicly embarrassed me. All he did was privately make an observation which was true. And me, because of my own insecurity, unnecessarily took offence. So instead of dragging him into my little world of insecurity by having a meeting or sending an email, I just decided I'm just going to get over it and let it go. I remember there was another time when I was, uh, when I was at Bible college and one of the other students came up to me. He wanted me to check out his assignment and uh, he had written an essay. So I looked at it and realised that he wasn't actually answering the question that the lecturer asked for the essay. And so I told him some things he can do to adjust it and change it, wrote a few remarks here on how he could make it so that it was answering the question, gave it back to him. Didn't hear from him for a few weeks. One day I was walking around the Bible college and he came up to me and he said, hey Ben, can I talk to you? I said, no worries mate, what's going on? He said, well, I just want to let you know uh, that I forgive you. And I said, no worries, Um, what for? And he said, well, you know, when you uh, looked at my assignment and told me I had to change it, um, when you did that, it really hurt me. But I just want to let you know that I've decided that I'm just going to forgive you and I'm just going to let it go. And then because he blindsided me, my reaction was, thanks. (laughs) And I walked off. But then I thought about it later and I thought, oh, you know, without being mean, that guy, he's got to learn to get over it. He's now going to think every time he's stung, there's a problem with someone else. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we take offence because of our own insecurity and our own inferiority. So before sending that email, before having that coffee, it's important that we examine ourselves first to see whether we are really the person with the problem here. The next thing that we need to do if we've ever been hurt by somebody is that we need to extend forgiveness extend forgiveness. Now, the reason why we need to do that is not because we're validating what they, what they did. But the reason why we did it, Jesus actually illustrated this perfectly. He told a parable to explain why we needed to forgive people. He said that there was once a master that had a number of servants. One of the servants owed the master a great deal of money. The master called the servant before him and he said, you owe me this money, you've got to pay me. The servant said, I'm sorry, my Lord, I can't pay you right now. If you give me time, I'll pay you back. The master said, no, you've got to pay me. The servant said, listen, I'm sorry, I can't pay you right at the moment. And the master had mercy on him and he said, you know what? I forgive you of what you owe me. Don't worry about it. Go your own way. Then that servant who got forgiven 
found another servant who owed him some money, but much smaller than what he owed the master. He grabs that servant by the throat and he said, you've got to pay me what you owe me. The other servant said, I'm sorry, I can't pay you right now. If you give me time, I'll pay you back. He says, no, you've got to pay me. And he grabbed that man and threw him into prison. When the master heard about it, he was upset. He called the original servant before him and he said, hey, didn't I forgive you of everything that you have owed me? Why then didn't you forgive this other guy who owed you? He said, because you didn't forgive him, I'm not going to forgive you. And he grabbed that man and threw him into prison where he was tormented by the torturers. Now that whole parable was told by Jesus explaining the need for us to forgive. He says that the Lord is willing to forgive us. So because God is willing to forgive us, we need to be willing to forgive other people. And here's the consequence if we don't. We get imprisoned. We get bound up. We get tormented. We get given over to bitterness, hurt and resentment. And that will drive you crazy. That's what, bitterness, that, that's what the old saying is, bitterness. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. The person it affects the most is us. So the reason why we need to forgive is not because we're saying what you did's fine. But we're saying because Christ has forgiven me and I need to be free. I'm willing to forgive you. That's why Jesus says, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they're retained. He is not saying that we have the power for other people to have their sins not forgiven by God. He's not saying that. He's saying whoever sins are retained, they're retained. He's saying if we don't forgive people who hurt us, we actually retain the effect of what they did to us in our life. We retain it. And you, so you can remove yourself from their world, you can cut them off completely, but still suffer from what they did. So if we, now the hardest, the reason why we don't want to forgive is because, especially when someone has blatantly hurt us, it's been unjustified, it wasn't a misunderstanding, we were used and abused. The reason why it's very difficult for us to forgive others is because it offends our sense of justice. We feel like we're letting them off the hook. But the problem is this. If we don't let them off the hook, we're still hooked to them and forever tied to what they did to us. You do, through forgiveness, we do not have to be forever tied to the worst moments of our life. We can be free from it through the power of forgiveness. Many years ago, I was speaking at a camp. It was for uh, seniors at a Christian school, year 11s and 12s. And uh, I was speaking every night, and one night meeting in particular, I felt God give me a word of knowledge for somebody there, a message for someone there. I didn't know who it was. Uh, and I said, listen, there's somebody here, you're planning on doing something you're going to regret for the rest of your life, so don't do it. As soon as I said that, I thought, oh, that was a bit lame. Anyway, and just went on with my message. Afterwards, I was praying for some kids down the front. And then, one of the, and then I noticed one of the kids from down the back walked down the front and wanted me to pray for him. I was really surprised. He was the worst behaved kid on the whole camp. He'd show no interest in anything I'd had to say or in anything in any of the meetings. He had a total disregard for it. So when he came forward for prayer, I was surprised. I came up to him, I said, what's going on, mate? And he said, "Uh, you know how you said in the middle of your message that someone's going to do something they're going to regret? I said, yeah. He goes, that was me. I said, oh, that didn't surprise me. He was the worst behaved kid on the camp. So I thought he was going to play a prank that's going to go wrong. I didn't know what he was going to do. So I just said, I said, well, uh, what were you going to do? And he said, well, before coming on camp, I just found out that my sister's boyfriend has been cheating on my sister with my girlfriend. And he's hurt me and my sister so bad that I decided that when I go home, I'm going to kill him. And when he said it, I thought, I think he means it. So uh, I said to him, I said, well, uh, you know, 
That's a pretty bad move. Uh, you're going to end someone else's life. You're going to ruin yours. You're going to hurt a whole lot of people. He says, yeah, but the guy deserves to die. I said, listen, the reason why you're driven to do this is because of all these negative emotions. I said, the best way to drain this out is to forgive the guy. He says, forgive him? Why? I said, we're not saying what he did's okay. But we're saying in spite of what he did, because Christ forgives you and you need to be free, you're willing to forgive him. I said, are you willing to give it a go? He said, okay. I said, all right, close your eyes. He closed his eyes, I grabbed him by the arms. I said, pray this after me. I said, dear Lord Jesus, he goes, dear Lord Jesus. I said, I forgive. He goes, Lord, help me to forgive. When he said that, I stopped him. I said, no, mate, don't ask God to help you to forgive. You're saying that because you don't feel like it. But forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a choice. I said, you make the decision to forgive and see what happens. I said, so let's do this again. He said, okay. Close his eyes, grab him by the arms. I said, okay, pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. I said, I forgive. He goes, I. I said, I forgive. He goes, I. I said, I forgive. He goes, I. Forgive. And he claps on my shoulder. He lifts his head, shakes his head. I said, are you all right? He goes, yeah, let's do this. I said, okay. Tell God who you forgive, what you forgive him of. I'll forgive that guy for cheating on my sister and run off with my girlfriend. I said, now you've got to ask God to bless him. Bless him? Why? I said, because the Bible says you've got to bless those who curse you that you might inherit a blessing. Oh, all right. Lord, I pray that you bless him, that he comes to know you. I said, now you've got to ask God to forgive you. Forgive me? What did I do? I said, well, you were going to kill him. He goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> forgive me for wanting to kill him. Jesus' name, amen. He opened his eyes. I said, how do you feel? He goes, good. I said, do you still feel like killing him? He goes, no. I said, what happened there when you collapsed on my shoulder? And this is exactly what he said. This was his testimony. He said, mate, it was the strangest thing. I was trying to say the words, I forgive. I couldn't even think of the words in my mind. I had a big black cloud in my mind stopping me from thinking straight. As I kept trying to say it, I saw a great big white hand come down, grab that cloud out of my mind and throw it away. That's when I collapsed on your shoulder and then I could think straight. He got delivered on the spot. Because who knows that when you make the decision, God will help you. I saw him the next morning. I said, hey, go, mate, still want to kill him? And he goes, no. And he said, then he said this to me. I don't know what I was thinking. Because that's what bitterness, hurt and resentment will do. It'll chew you up. It'll cause you to do things you wouldn't otherwise do. It'll turn you into someone that you regret being later. I got a text message from him a couple of weeks later. Hi, Pastor Ben Cameron from the camp. Just want to let you know. Still don't want to kill him. (laughs) What had happened? He had received a blow. And as a result of that, it was driving him to do something he would later regret. But through forgiveness, Jesus Christ healed him of that bruise. And now he was free to move on with his life, no longer affected by the thing that other people did to him. When we forgive, we're free. Now, sometimes we struggle to forgive as well because we associate forgiveness with trust. We think that if we forgive, we must automatically go back in a position with, of trust with the person who hurt us. Now, the Bible does not say that we unconditionally trust people. In fact, the Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. It is possible to love people and not trust them. Some of you have been in a business relationship with someone. They totally ripped you off. It was totally wrong. You can forgive them, but have the wisdom to know their character is such I cannot 
partner myself with them again. That's, does that make sense? Forgiveness is not an obligation to trust again. You can love people and not, uh, not trust them. We've all, everyone with children understands that. My kids want to drive the car all the time. Daddy, can I drive the car? No. Daddy, can I drive the car? No. Don't you trust me? No. <laughs> but I do love you. And when you prove worthy of my trust by getting your license, then you can drive. Does that make sense? When we forgive, we set ourselves free. And even as I'm speaking, there's some people here, someone's face is flashing up in front of your mind. And on the outside, you're like, oh, no, we're good, we're good. But deep down, you're like, and that's a sign. It's time to forgive, to move on and let it go. The last thing that we need to do if you've ever been bruised, is experience God's presence. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it says in verse five, he anoints my head with oil. The Lord's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. He anoints my head with oil. Some theologians believe that back in those days, shepherds would anoint the head of sheep with oil to protect them from bugs while they're eating the grass. Because they could eat the grass and bug could get up their nostril and cause a lot of problems and who knows it's a lot of problems because sheep don't have fingers <laughs> so when it's up there it causes a bit of problem so they anoint their head with oil to keep the bugs that would normally get in at bay Ecclesiastes in chapter 10 it says a few dead good news bible says a few dead flies make the whole bottle of perfume stink without being judgmental some people they feel like their whole life stinks but really it's because of a couple of things that have happened to them that have affected their whole life. But you can get in God's presence. He can anoint your head with oil and He could flush those things out of your system. A number of years ago, I was at a conference in Melbourne. A speaker was a man by the name of Rodney Howard Brown. And I remember uh, the presence of God came upon me and, was, and literally lifted me up and threw me into the seat in front of me at the venue we were at. Thank God no one was sitting there. And the presence of God was on me for three days. One of the first things that happened was all these pictures came in front of my mind. People I needed to forgive. In the past, I'd have resentment towards them. Because His presence was on me, He gave me grace. And I looked at their face and it's like, oh yeah, Lord, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. What had happened? He anointed my head with oil. And He flushed those things out of my system. In just a moment, we want to pray for people where God wants to anoint your head with oil and flush these things off you. Some of you have carried it for too long and don't know how to let it go. But He can release grace upon you so you will no longer be forever tied to the worst moments of your life. You do not have to be labelled by the things that have happened to you. Jesus Christ has come to set at liberty them that are bruised. Some people need to be free of an incident that happened to them, not necessarily a person, but an incident. Sometimes something happens to us and it impacts upon us and it's like it's very difficult to get over. Um, How do you know if you're over something? Well, it's not that you forget about it. Have you heard of the saying, we forgive and forget? It's a nice saying, but it's not in the Bible. We forgive, but it doesn't mean you forget. You don't get amnesia. In fact, sometimes if you can't remember something that happened, it's as a result of so much trauma that you can't deal with it, that you suppress it. It's a sign that you're not healed. So when we forget, so when we get free, it's not that we forget what happened. It's that we can remember it, but the pain is gone. I had a shoulder reconstruction back in 1989. Nowadays, when you have a shoulder reconstruction, they do keyhole surgery. Back then, they used to nearly chop your whole arm off. 
And so I have a scar which goes from here down to here. Now, back in 1989, a week after surgery, if he had come up to me and poked it, I would have screamed. Why? Because it was a wound. But now, if you come up and touch it, I can see it. I can remember it, but it doesn't hurt anymore. It's no longer a wound. It's a scar. Nothing wrong with having scars. Scars are a sign of the things we've come through and overcome. Even Jesus Christ has scars. Jesus wants to turn your wound into a scar. There's some people here, something happened to you so long ago, and you think to yourself, by now I should be over it. Doesn't time heal all wounds? No, time doesn't heal all wounds. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the presence of God that can heal. And so in just a moment, I want to pray for people who have something they need to get over or someone they need to forgive. Because Jesus Christ has come to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. Close your eyes for a moment, church. you enjoyed this week's message for any more information about activate church check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week